my first goal, to be honest, Joel, is to be obedient to my Heavenly Father. When I ask him for a purpose, I didn't give him two or three choices, and I didn't think of things that I thought would I wanted to do and, and would make me happy. I just trusted him completely. Welcome to the Plain Sense Podcast, where the life-changing Word of God is made accessible and understandable to all. Here is your host, Dr. Joel Madasu. Do you believe in second chances of life? Do you believe in, in a second chance? The readers in Ephesians Church were taught to radically put off the old person because that is what is required to become believers in Jesus Christ. That is to terminate the old lifestyle and to put on the new lifestyle or new self. This is what Paul was teaching to the Ephesian church or Ephesian believers in Ephesians 4.22. The putting off of the former lifestyle is difficult or could be difficult, but it is doable. If one desires to be real with his or her relationship with Christ Jesus. This is literally is what taking place behind the walls in the maximum prison. Today's episode is very special to me. I, in fact, have a privilege to work with the men in the maximum prison and see God changing their lives. Renowned evangelist, Dr. Billy Graham has said that when God grants someone a second chance at living, it's to remind them of his love and of the brevity of life. When God grants someone a second chance at living, it's to remind them of his love and of the brevity of life. God is at work in the prison, changing lives for his glory. To this topic, the impact of God's love inside the walls of the maximum prison. The impact of God's love inside the walls of maximum prison. We have a special guest today. After his conversion or salvation, God placed a desire in his heart to help others, especially in prisons, to have that opportunity of second chance. Mr. Calvin Sutfin II is the president of Catalyst Ministries in West Virginia. And I want to welcome Mr. Calvin. Welcome to the Plain Sense Podcast. Thank you, Joel. Good morning. Good morning. I want to ask you a few questions about how this all began, how the Catalyst Ministries began, and, and about the ministry that you are doing now. So uh, without any delay, I would ask, what is Catalyst Ministries and how did it start? Well, Catalyst Ministries... You know, in in listening to you read of Ephesians, you could almost say that Catalyst Ministries is a second chance ministry. Uh, mainly in the fact that God gave me a second chance. But Catalyst was formed. It's it's a primarily it's a prison ministry, and it's a ministry created to serve the incarcerated many that have no voice or influence. It's, it's a ministry. It's a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Mm -hmm. It's what we have labeled moral rehabilitation here in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Atlas is modeled after 
Angola prison in Louisiana after the success that they have seen over the years, 20 some years where their violence was reduced nearly 75%. And it's just a great story of redemption. My dear friend, ex-warden Burl Kane has said he believes God chose Angola because it's the largest maximum security prison in the country to, to signify to the other states that if God could do it there, he could do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, so what they've seen there has been documented by Baylor University. It's evidence-based. And so uh, Catalyst was formed to introduce that same success here in the state of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, how it got started was at my own point of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a man uh, mid-40s who had achieved uh, some financial success, uh, had a, a beautiful wife, a son, daughter. I actually do live, and a matter of fact, you've been here. I live in a white house with a white picket fence and have a little dog. So many would say that I've met the definition of the American dream and, and was blessed and and did so. But but there was still a void in me mm-hmm. and there was still something that, that just was, was unfull. It, it didn't really matter what I accomplished. I always just set a benchmark for something else. And, and I heard my pastor say one time, the world will always require more of you. No mm-hmm. matter what you obtain, the world will require more. And, and, and that's true. And so anyway, uh, in uh, 2009, I'd finally uh, ended up at a point, the darkest point in my life, and had to seek help for some alcohol issues and and drug issues. And and with every reason and so blessed to live, I'd put it all at risk. And so uh, I knew that and was smart enough to cry out for help. And, and, and in doing that, the gentleman that came to help me was a licensed interventionist, but he was also a pastor of a church he'd founded to help folks. And so anyway, I was raised in a little Methodist church as a kid where seeds were planted that never left me mm-hmm. and I uh, knew about Jesus and God and and so anyway, about 10 days into treatment there in California, mm. uh, I just knew that uh, that I needed something more than just 12 steps and, and some of the tools that help people with sobriety. I needed a complete radical transformation, and all I knew was, was what I'd learned as a kid. And so, so anyway, at my own point of brokenness, uh, I cried out and prayed a simple sinner's prayer sitting on a park bench, actually, in uh, San Juan Capistrano, California. And at that point, uh, Christ uh, came into my life and and forgave me of my sins. And, and then I began to pray at that moment, Lord, if you'll give me a purpose, mm. then I'll give you every breath. Mm. Uh, my way of doing things with the many successes I'd had, as well as laughter and pleasure and up and down, it ended with me sitting on that park bench broken. So I knew I had to trust something greater than myself. Mm-hmm. And so I cried out to God, Lord, if you're a purpose giver, if you'll give me one, I'll give you every breath. And mm-hmm. and so 
little did I know that uh, this is what he, he had in store. He answered that prayer. And uh, although for a year or so, I didn't feel anything or see anything and didn't believe he was answering the prayer. Now looking back, I can see within 30 days from coming back from California, I was invited to come to Mount Olive Prison with a dear friend who was just trying to be a mentor. And, and so I can see God answering that prayer a lot earlier than I thought he was. He was listening. And hmm. and so basically at my own point of brokenness, and I think anybody that's really ever been to a real end of self moment of brokenness, I think it changes you. Hmm. And I think it softens your heart. It does something to you to where you're a little more sensitive to the hurting people in this world uh, than I was. It certainly softened me. I, I was always a giving person, but but I just believe that anybody's came to that level of brokenness when God begins to rebuild you. Uh, he rebuilds a different person, mm-hmm. and so so anyway. Ultimately, I was invited to go to Angola where I seen what was was taking place there. And it might have been on one of my second or third volunteer trips there that I believe God spoke to me and he 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 birthed it inside of me. And I'll never forget. It was just simply, why not West Virginia? Mm-hmm. And and uh, so I came back to West Virginia and didn't really know anybody in corrections or in a Bible college. But uh, but God began to open the doors and I was just simply uh, being obedient. And mm-hmm. so uh, that led to to the founding of Catalyst Ministries, which, again, solely serves the incarcerated. Uh, and I can tell you, I've met very few evil people in prison. Mm-hmm. I've met some folks that have done some horrible things, mm-hmm. but uh but but very few evil people. And I've met many people who have from the day they basically went in prison, paying their debt to society, has worked tirelessly to earn a second chance. And and also to note, 90 percent of the incarcerated in West Virginia do have release dates. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the old adage of lock them up, throw away the key really uh, is a fantasy. It, it doesn't work. It costs too much to lock everybody up, throw away the key. And uh, so so nine out of 10 people put in prison will come back to our local communities. And so so anyway, uh, that's that's how Catalyst was started in my own point of brokenness in volunteer trips to Angola, where God spoke and said, go to West Virginia and do what you've seen here. Mm-hmm. That is that is amazing. And I've seen uh, your work. I've witnessed your passion, your desire, your vision and your love for this ministry. I'm thankful to God for uh, you and also thankful to God for using you to accomplish his mission. Uh, what are some of the objectives or goals of Catalyst Ministries? Well, the first the first goal obviously was God answered my prayer mm-hmm. and he gave me a purpose. And so although there's a lot of fruit that will come from from our work, uh, my first goal, to be honest, Joel, is to be obedient to my heavenly father. 
when I asked him for a purpose, I didn't give him two or three choices. And I didn't think of things that I thought would I wanted to do and <laughs> and would make me happy. I just trusted him completely. <laughs> and so so one of the initial goals with Catalyst Ministries is is obedience. And it's simply me doing my best every day to be obedient in the call that God has put on my heart. But but some and, and, and so some of our other goals, though, is at the core of what we do at Catalyst Ministries, keeping in mind nine out of 10 people will return back to our communities at the very core of what we do is fewer future victims. Mm-hmm. Moral people do not kill, rape, or steal. And so men who can cry out to the God of the Bible just like I have and you have and 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 submit their life to Christ and begin to grow in the Lord, that transformation that takes place from the inside out takes that old heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And, and they're no longer, just as you referenced in the beginning in Ephesians, they're no longer the same person they were. And so what that does is it saves future victims. And that is at the core of what we do. Uh, the other thing is if a father is in prison, the father's children have a seven times more likelihood of ending up in prison. And so uh, we want to reduce the number of children following their parents into prison. And, and how do we do that? We, we do it by discipleship and by fathers while they're in prison, having been saved and delivered and changed, they begin to reach out to their children. And, and then when they come out of prison, they stay out of prison. And that's seven times more likelihood of ending up in prison is reduced to practically nothing. So that's another core goal uh, of Catalyst Ministries. The other is uh, setting up an environment to change the prison culture behind the prison walls. You know, A lot of people don't realize that prisons are made up just like uh, where, where we are mainly at Mount Olive with over a thousand men. That's bigger than many little small towns here in the state of West Virginia. And so, so one of our goals is to bring hope and purpose into that culture, into that little town of Mount Olive where men can shepherd their own flock. And as we create a model where men are shepherding their own peer to peer, then uh, we see hope and purpose illuminate and we see the culture within the prison change. And what does that do? It, it, it lowers violence. It makes for, mm-hmm. for men to behave better while they're incarcerated, follow the rules better. It, it brings a new way of living to men instead of the old way that the adversaries use to still kill and destroy and take from them their whole life. Uh, another goal of ours is reentry. Many men who've earned a second chance run into a brick wall when they come out. They can't find employment, good health care, housing. Those are basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And they've earned a second chance. They're excited to come out, start their new life over again. Their goal is freedom. And they come out and they just don't realize how fast paced and hard 
uh, everyday living is on the outside of the prison walls. And so we've launched the West Virginia Reentry Initiative, where we're working hard to meet those men who really earned a second chance and uh, and help them transition so that they can be productive members of mm-hmm. society. Um you know, ultimately, uh, we, we don't talk about it a lot, but when you look at dollars, it saves taxpayer dollars. If if we reach one man in prison uh, and he comes out, it costs roughly 30000 a year to keep uh, a man or woman in prison. So you just figure one man uh, over, you know, five years, we've saved taxpayer dollars, you know, $150,000. And that's one man. And so you can imagine uh, 30 men, 50 men, 100 men, over time, the accumulated dollars that saved for taxpayers, especially in times of budget crises, you know, over time, it bears fruit financially for the taxpayers of West Virginia. Anyway, that, mm-hmm. that's sort of a quick synopsis of our core goals uh, at Catalyst. Okay, that's great. Thank you for that information. Um, how is Catalyst Ministries impacting lives within the maximum prison? I, you know, I think the first thing that we do is we bring hope. And what a lot of people don't realize is out here in the free world, we are blessed. I know we struggle and we have our everyday difficulties and stress, but but all in all, in comparison, especially the citizens here in West Virginia, you know, we, we are blessed and, uh, and we take hope for granted. We don't really think about hope much, but I can tell you in <laughs> prison, lack of hope is probably the number one enemy. If a person has <laughs> no hope, then uh, what else really matters? And so what we do we believe with Catalyst is, is, is we as God's servants, is we're his vessels of hope and purpose uh, inside the prison setting. And a couple tools that we use was the launch of the first accredited full-time Bible college in a maximum security prison, or any prison for that matter, in the state of West Virginia's history, where men can get four-year degrees in Bible and theology and pastoral studies. And and that's what we call equipping. And as mm-hmm. men go through the four years and study the works and word of Christ, and again, this is open to men of all faiths or men of no faith or men of, of, of different mm-hmm. religions. Uh, but there is the study of the works and word of Christ. And, and there's Uh, a great transformation that usually takes place in 90% of the men that spend four years in the classroom. And so we, we consider that equipping and training ground. And and then upon graduation, we have opportunities for men to lead, facilitate things such as Malachi Dads. Malachi Dads is a fathering ministry that was founded by inmates at Angola prison as a way to mm-hmm. all those still incarcerated uh, reach out and spiritually mentor their children, uh, even though they're still in prison. And so we have Malachi dads, not only at Mount Olive, but in nine other prisons in West Virginia. And so, yeah. uh, so we're seeing fathers become better men. And so that, that's one mm-hmm. of our uh, programs, so to speak, that we have. 
Uh, we have discipleship mm-hmm. studies where we allow the uh, inmate students and graduates to to lead those. And it's just basically as uh, the Great Commission where we're making disciples. It's mm-hmm. where men can come and it's growing every year. And that's another tool. We, mm-hmm. we have uh, various other programs that uh, allows the men to lead and, and take some responsibility. And that changes that hopelessness. I've heard it from men throughout the years to say, Calvin, I had no hope until some of these things mm-hmm. began. So we're seeing hope illuminate, coupled with purpose, allowing them to use their skills. You know, Once incarcerated, it doesn't mean that everything inside of you dies and you no longer have no value mm-hmm. or skill or talent or gift. It's just you've made a terrible decision and now you're incarcerated. But God still has gave you those irrevocable gifts. And so what... What we do at Catalyst is set up environments where men can rise to shepherd their own flock and heal their community from within their hearts and within the prison walls so that we're not so dependent just on outside volunteers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I've, I've seen some, um, I've heard actually some of the uh, things that God did in their lives and how Catalyst Ministries is impacting the lives of men in the prison. And it is it is great to see and great to learn how God is working in their lives through Catalyst Ministries. Uh, one what would you what would you like to ask the audience? If there is something that you like to ask the audience to respond or to do something, what would you like to ask? You know, when I have people ask me that question, you know, I've always been hesitant to just bring up finances because mm-hmm. it's almost like you can tell a great story, but someone's sitting there thinking, I know it's coming. I know it's on point. They're going to ask for money. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so I try to avoid that, but, but in sincerity, it does cost dollars. Everything we do, including the catalyst ministry, catalyst ministries funds, the Bible college, along with the various other ministries. We're in 10 prisons in West Virginia, so it it does take quite a bit of funds to do. And I might add that all of those funds uh, are through private donation. We don't receive any federal or state dollars. Uh, what I would ask mm. would be that people will pray, because we all know as Christians, our Father owns cattle on a thousand hills, and our Father is our provider. Mm-hmm. And our father is our protector. And I believe that God didn't birth this and lead it to this point to let us go astray in the desert. But we need prayer. We need prayer for the vision. We need we need prayer that mm-hmm. uh, that our financial uh, needs will be met, that our operational needs will be met, that the logistics of running a full-time Bible college and various ministries throughout the state of West Virginia, those needs will be met. Uh, we, we just need prayer that God will continue to bless the work that he began in us. And then additionally, to be open as you pray to what God lays on your heart, whether it whether it be to to drop a note to say, hey, I, I heard about what you're doing and I have a new thought process when I think of 
prison ministry. I just don't think of it the way I used to, and I appreciate listening to the podcast, or whether it be, you know, God kept tapping on my shoulder uh, to begin to become a covenant monthly partner with Catalyst Ministries, uh, or whether it's just to continue to pray more often because you believe in what we're doing. So, so I would ask people primarily to pray and then how God leads them, and he will. He, he will, uh, if he requires something of you at the end of your prayer, he won't let it go. He'll have that real small voice that will guide you. And so I would just ask people, pray for us. And then if God puts something on your heart, be obedient, just as as I was and as Dr. Joel is in serving the men as the director of our Bible college. Just, just be obedient. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that note. And if someone would like to give financially or in some ways to Catalyst Ministries, what are the options? How could we reach Catalyst Ministries? The easiest way and the easiest way to stay updated on our work is to go to our website, CatalystMinistriesInc.com. And uh, we hope to, we just did some editing, as you know, and uh, we hope to keep it alive with our work and some videos and and to continue to share our story through the website. But on the website, there's an area where you can donate and there's also an address where you could uh, mail a donation to. So, uh, so either way, um, uh, we'll get to us, and uh, we might add at this point, uh, basically 100% of the donations go into the ministry. I, as the president or anybody on the team, <clears throat> excuse me, we, uh, we don't have salaries. Uh, it's 100% goes into the ministry. Mm. That's awesome. Well, thank you for this time, Mr. Calvin, for... Uh, for this opportunity to speak with you and also for sharing your testimony, your vision and your passion. If uh, there is one one thing to glean from this interview, it is the obedience, obedience to God. And Mr. Calvin has obeyed God's call. And this is what God did. God has blessed him. God has blessed the ministry. God blessed his vision. And we've seen that obedience is also one of the primary things in, in the entire scripture from Old Testament perspective, we see the Israelites disobeyed God, and obviously they were not blessed at several times. And New Testament, the same thing. Obey is the command. So Mr. Calvin uh, is an example for that, but being obedient to God's call and um, doing what God wants him to do. So that is one thing that I've learned from this interview. And I suggest and request all of you as well to be obedient to God's call because God can with a in capital letter C A N do whatever pleases him if we only be obedient to him because God is capable of doing whatever he wants to but he pleases he's ple- he'll be pleased if we obey him so once again thank you Mr. Calvin for your time and I ask you folks to visit catalystministriesinc.com catalystministriesinc.com to learn more and also to support uh, the ministries. And I would say, uh, as far as the supporting part, that you can be part of God's work through Catalyst Ministries. 
you can be part of God's work through Catalyst Ministries. So please pray. Please consider for being part with the, the Catalyst Ministries. And, and, and my testimony is that I've seen the work of God. And I believe that God will do many, many mighty th things to, through Catalyst Ministries. Thank you all so much for your time. I hope you enjoy this episode. And please pray for the Catalyst Ministries and for Mr. Calvin Sutphin. Thank you and God bless you all.